You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we work to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear the good news about the person and work of Jesus and as we scatter to share it. We hope that you enjoy. One Timothy four six to sixteen. If you put these things before the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also the life that is to come. The the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching, Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Father God, we love You. We pray that by the power of Your Word and Your Spirit right now, that You would help us to see this text for what it is. See it as Your words. And that You would grow us and strengthen us with it. And that in it, we might see Jesus and everything that He has done for us. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Last week, Paul took us back to false teachers. He reminded us to be careful of what we give ourselves to because Jesus has given himself for us. That is, be careful of the kinds of teachings, ideas, and people that we give ourselves to because they can poison us. It doesn't mean we need to stay away from all those things. But it's this issue of giving yourself over to it. In the same way, we must be careful of the less serious things that we give ourselves to. Music, movies, whatnot. Not necessarily because of immoral things in the songs or the music. But rather, are those things teaching tools? I would love to give lots of examples, but I won't. Are those things indoctrinating you? That is, giving you a new and different set of teachings which cast a shadow over Christ for you. 
Are they giving you something that appeals to your old Adam or your old Eve? Even those things can lead us to a place where we choose to run from Jesus as our Savior. This does not also mean... um, Well, no, we'll leave it at that. This does not mean, though, that Jesus is going to let go of you. Jesus gave Himself for you. Don't take that lightly. This week, Paul is encouraging us in the training of Christian character. And when I say training, I don't necessarily mean with a a pencil and books. He uses the illustration here of physical training. Hard work. But it's not physical, the training of of Christian character as the end, right? It's not what we're working to. Rather, he's encouraging us towards Christian character so that we will give ourselves to Jesus because he has given himself to and for us, right? So it's not for the sake of Christian character, but rather because Jesus has already given himself to and for us. Now remember, this is a letter from Timothy, written, from Paul, written to his young friend, Timothy. Probably Timothy is in his mid-30s. Um, he's capable, but not always very confident of his own abilities. And he's been given a very difficult task. And even though this letter is taking us a couple of months, you have to remember that it probably took Timothy about 20 minutes to read. Okay? And then he read it and he reread it to be reminded of his mission and of his Savior. Also remember that this letter was written with the overall purpose uh, of of having correct church structure, correct teachings and teachers in the church. Also for the development of shepherds and servants in the church. However, If you don't find yourself in one of those roles, that doesn't mean that you get to take a nap or skip this book, because through the power of the Holy Spirit, this letter was also written to you. And so Paul this morning starts us off with this. If you lay out these teachings for your brothers and sisters in Christ, stop. What teachings is he talking about? The ones that are coming up? No, he's he's actually, well, okay, yes. But, he's also talking about the teachings that have come before this. So obviously, and and most recently, Paul is referencing the teachings that we talked about last week. That is, a warning against devoting yourself uh, to teachings that are teachers, or teachings, that are anti-Christ, and will cause you to let go of the faith, little by little. But there's more. Paul has, is also referring to everything that he has written to Timothy so far. And that would include warnings against false teachers. Um, how God uses the law and also how we're not supposed to use the law. The mercifulness of the gospel, of the good news. The encouragement to hold fast to your faith in hard times. Along with... and pictured next to 
what it looks like to let go of your faith in difficult times or in comfortable times. Paul's also taught us to pray for all people and that all people should hear that Jesus has given Himself for them. The teaching also includes the roles of men and women as church members and the roles or the offices that they are allowed to hold in the church. And then also, what those individuals that hold those offices, what their character should look like. He's talked about the mysteriousness of the Gospel along with the mercifulness of it. And then, as we already said, Paul showed us the recipe of how to get rid of our faith. That is, devoting ourselves to teachings that are anti-Christ. Putting our fear, love, and trust in other things, resting in and relying upon ourselves. And so, Timothy is to teach all of these things um, and we are told what happens if he stays faithful to that task, to that vocation, that calling that he has been given. Timothy will then be known as a good servant of Christ. This is now the second time that Paul has given us something like this in this letter. Back in chapter 2, um, it, it was encouraged to us that, um, that, that praying for everyone was a very good thing. That this would be pleasing to God. And here, it says that Timothy would be known as a good servant of Christ if he teaches all these things to, the brother, to his brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, does this mean that only if Timothy does these things really well, will it be like we heard last week, that maybe he'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of my rest? No, this is actually... Paul saying to Timothy, speaking specifically to him, that if he does these things well, if he holds to the mission that he has been given, it will be good for Timothy's reputation and his trustworthiness. Because as we're going to see, this means a lot both to Paul and whether we believe it or not, it means a lot to the believers that are listening to Timothy. But Paul is also, in this, letting Timothy know that there is a way to be a success at the mission that has been set before him, even if the mission doesn't go exactly like him or Paul want it to go. It means that if he holds true to what it is that he's been given to do, it's a success, whether he sees fruit from it or not. In fact, verse 6 seems to finish with an encouragement to Timothy to also let, let this task that he's been given be good exercise in retraining himself in the language of our faith and in the healthy set of teachings that he has been trained in. Verse 9 says something that Paul has said several times now in this letter. This saying is... A memorable little idea. It's trustworthy and true. But then Paul does not necessarily go on to give a saying in verse 9. Why? 
Because he's already given the trustworthy saying in verses 7 and 8. And here it was. Have nothing to do with irreverent or unserious, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Okay, time out. Uh, Irreverent and silly myths. Do we have those today? We do. We have them all over the place. In fact, Christian bookstores are filled with them. Literally anything that is helping you to take your eyes off of Christ for you. Something that is trying to find that secret in the Bible, that secret teaching that can just, it'll get you in just the right spot where God can't ignore you. That, that secret teaching that if you just follow this one thing, you can have assurance. It's law is what it is. It's law and it's damning. And these are the silly myths, or at least one version of the silly myths that we're talking about. Paul continues, Rather, train yourself for godliness. While bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and the life that is to come. Wait a second. Is Paul saying that we don't have to do exercise anymore? Thank goodness. Paul, thank you. I know that God does not need me to lose weight. No. Unfortunately, Paul is saying that exercise is of some value. Okay? It's of some value. In fact, Paul uses language here about athletics. And he uses this kind of language all the time. It's either about athletics or boxing or soldiering or farming and the, these illustrations all have at least one important thing in common. Um, they're all hard work. And they're all hard work that you don't necessarily see the fruit of right then and right there. Uh, now, there are some people, very strange people in this world, like my wonderful wife, who can exercise and she sees the benefit of it the whole time. She just goes along she, she just gets out there and she gets the job done and she enjoys it. And then race day comes and it's just fun for her. Now, I find that that's kind of sick and twisted, but I love her and I'm proud of her. Um, I'm kind of like uh, on, the, on the other side of this. I'm kind of like a farmer who starts off strong during planting season. And I've got all the equipment ready. I've got all my tools sharp. I've got the seeds ready. I go out there and I get the job done. And then I just kind of stand around and I think all season long about, ugh, why am I even watering this ground? This doesn't make any sense. What am I doing with my life? And I'm totally unaware and I forget so easily that one day there is a harvest that is going to come. And Paul here is saying to Timothy, keep on training, keep on preparing in season and out of season. Because when you slack in your training, you get a little bit lazy in it, you begin to let yourself slip. And then when the real battle comes, you're not ready for it. Or when the harvest comes, you miss it. You miss it, and then you think that there's nothing to be thankful for at all. And so here, Timothy is free to toil. That is, he's 
He's free to work without seeing any progress. To toil and to strive. That is, to keep pushing forward even if he's getting pushed backward. So he's free to toil and strive in training of godliness. And that's exactly what training in godliness looks and feels like most of the time. Because his hope is not set on the visible success or any success at all right here or right now. And it's not set on the success of this single mission that Paul has set him out on. But rather, his hope is set on God who is alive and who is well and who saves. To verse 10. Oh, verse 10. Verse 10 is a problem. Okay, not really. But it sounds like a problem when you read it. Right? Let me, let me read verse 10 for you one more time. If I can find it. Got it right here. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those of believe, who believe. Wait a second, the Savior of all people, but especially those who believe. What are we talking about here? Okay, let's see. Let's first remember what Paul has already written in this letter that sounded very familiar to this back in chapter 2. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it's pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave Himself as a ransom for who? For all which is the testimony given at the proper time. Built into those statements is the fact that not all will be saved. There are goats, and then there are sheep, as Jesus said earlier this morning, right? And yet, we are to pray for all of those people. We are to share the good news with all of those people. Why? Because Jesus gave Himself as a ransom for all. In chapter 2, verse 3, Paul calls God Savior. Now, this could sound theologically incorrect. um, And when I hear writers that aren't in the Bible say this, I start to get very uncomfortable. Right? Lots of people use God language. Not a lot of people use Jesus language. A lot of people use Holy Spirit language, which is good. But not a lot of people use Jesus language. And Jesus for you kind of language. So it could sound theologically incorrect because we know that Jesus, who is God, is our Savior. So why use the general name for God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit here? Well, I don't know, actually. (laughs) Paul does this very often in his writings to Timothy and Titus. But he, he does also speak particularly about Jesus as our Savior in chapter 2 and, and elsewhere throughout the letter. 
So in part, Paul is being a little bit casual in his language to a friend in stressing God's care for all people and God's desire for all people to come to saving knowledge of Jesus. And even more specifically, I think we can definitely take away from this that all kinds of people would be sought out through the mission of taking the good news to everywhere that people are. And yet, through Jesus, though Jesus' blood covers over all sin, we also know that not all people are saved. Even this week's parable shows us that separation. Verse 11, Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Hey, you listen here, youngster. I know a thing or two. (laughs) I remember reading this passage when I was in my early 20s and thinking to myself, who in the world would think that someone in their 30s is young? (laughs) Well, God's taught me a thing or two since then. Not everything. But now, as I age, I learn how much I do not know. I realize that Unless I'm talking to someone that's under the age of 25, 34 really is still quite young. And because of this, Paul wants to make sure that Timothy is not being taken advantage of or demeaned or put down because of his age. Because here is something that we learn from these encouragements from Paul. The message is what matters. The message is what matters. And this message that we're talking about is the good news. So, is Timothy carrying the gospel? Is he making sure that the law is not misused and put between Jesus and those who trust in him? That's what matters. However, this is a big however, we also understand from this that the messenger does matter as well. Okay, in the best of circumstances, the messenger should be forgotten and he should blend into the, black, the background of the message that he has just preached. I hope that on a Sunday morning, you don't, I mean, you might walk away and you might say, wait, well, it is a little bit strange. And that's okay, okay? But I hope that by the time that Monday morning rolls around, you've forgotten how strange I may be, and you are are instead reminded of the message that was preached. And I have to make sure that my character and my uh, proclivities don't stand in the way of that message. And that's exactly what Paul is saying to Timothy here. Right? The message is what matters, although sometimes the messenger is the message too. Okay, when you have a bad messenger, that's the only message that matters because that's the only message that people are going to remember. So in the best of circumstances, the messenger is forgotten. Uh, He blends into the background of the good news. While in bad circumstances, like what Timothy has been sent to face and deal with, The messenger is the message, and the message is bad news. Bad news that makes a nice little group of people 
bad news messengers. That's exactly what's happened to the church that Timothy has been sent to deal with. They have been receiving bad news from bad messengers, and now they are in danger of becoming little bad news messengers themselves. Going out into the world and instead of giving good news, spreading irreverent, silly myths that do nothing for anybody except separate them from Jesus. Verse 13, until I come, devote yourself to the public readings of Scripture. Okay, last week, Paul used this word. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits. And we said what? Don't be careful what you give yourself over to. So what instead are we supposed to give ourselves over to, to marry ourselves to, to devote ourselves to. Public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, that is taking things that are told, commands in Scripture, and encourage, strongly encouraging, pushing one another on to those things. Exhortation, to teaching. Do not, now this is to Timothy, do not neglect the gift that was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Okay, uh, we talked a little bit about offices in the church uh, two and three weeks ago, or one, two weeks ago, sometime. We did that. And here's the deal. Uh, here, we have this council of elders. What is this? What are we talking about? Well, we heard about a bishop before, and an elder is very similar to a bishop, okay? The, the bishop, though, is, is an office, or, or the pastor is the office here. Whereas this group of elders are people that are coming alongside the bishop. They have similar giftings as the bishop, and yet they're not necessarily the bishop who's in charge of the church. Yet they are responsible, intelligent, theologically sound men who have decided that Timothy is also capable of becoming this type of person. And they've laid hands on him, We would maybe call this an ordination. What they've done is they've stood around, they've prayed for him, they've showed the whole congregation, whatever church it is that Timothy's being sent out from, this person is trustworthy. And he's he's meant to be sent out. And so what is this prophecy? Um, Well, a couple things. But by and large, basically what we're saying here is it's a group of elders who, placing themselves under the authority of Scripture, are now speaking with authority to a local group of believers, to a local church. This is what prophecy means in this situation. Not that one day someone was walking down the street and said, Timothy, you've got the gift! No. What it looks like is Timothy being under the authority of a group of elders, and those group of elders saying to him, you know what, Timothy, we've seen a pattern in you We see abilities in you, and we want to see you grow in that. This is what you need to do in order to make that happen. So, Timothy, devote yourself, not to silly or reverent myths, but devote yourself to Scripture, to God's Word. You know, oftentimes I pray by word and by spirit, right? Why do we say this? You know, it can be often misunderstood that God the Holy Spirit has been left behind or ignored or something like this. 
and just so happens that the Spirit doesn't make a big show of Himself, either in the text or typically in church life. And yet it is through the Spirit that we live and breathe and move and have our being. It is through the Spirit that we have this Word that's in front of us. It's through the Spirit that we understand this Word. I could say by Spirit and by Word, maybe that would be more respectful, but it's just harder to say for me for some reason, all right? So I always pray by Word and by Spirit. Why? Because no matter how the Holy Spirit chooses to work in each of our lives, we have this promise from Scripture that He does work through the Word. So no matter what season you're in, the most enriching, encouraging, life-giving season, or the most bleeding, drying, parched season of life, you have promised that God the Holy Spirit works through these simple words on a page. So Timothy is to devote himself to it. Practice these things, verse 15. Immerse yourself in them. Drown yourself in them so that all may see your progress. When was the last time that you looked in the mirror and said, you know, I'm really growing. Okay, maybe you got taller. Maybe you got bigger. I don't know. Not that kind of progress. What are we talking about? We're talking about spiritual progress here. When was the last time that you looked at your life and said, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. And yet, when was the last time you had someone look at you and say, you wouldn't have said that three months ago. That's great. Maybe you're looking at me saying, I don't have that, Pastor. Why? Maybe you need to let someone else in to that part of your life. That's what Timothy's done here. That's what Paul does. That's what these believers in this church, whether they like it or not, are being forced to do with Timothy. They're having to open up and let out all their silly or reverent myths that they've been believing in, the misuse of the law that they've been practicing. But when they do that, Timothy's able to look at them and say, yes, that's good news. Right there. You're seeing it. You're believing it. Let others see your progress. Because it's not just an encouragement that they're going to give to you. It's an encouragement to them as well to show other believers in Christ that progress is possible. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. Keep pushing forward. For by, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Timothy has been given a difficult task. And yet... As Paul encourages him through this passage, the, the mission that he's been set on can be successful. And it's going to be successful only one way. And that one way is relying upon the work of Jesus for Timothy on the cross and preaching that good news to his hearers. It's going to be through God's Word that this takes place. Now, Timothy could be hedging his bets here, right? He could be saying, well, I mean, I hope that we see some success. I don't know what success looks like. 
Paul tells us what success looks like. It's holding fast to the truth and preaching that and that alone. Strain from it for the purpose of growth. Strain from it to keep people interested. Strain from it for any reason at all is what failure looks like. What if this whole church rejects Timothy and says, your teaching is nonsense, we like the other stuff better? That's actually not failure. Why? Because that's in the hands of God through the power of the Holy Spirit to change people's hearts and minds. That's not Timothy's job. Even though I know that that's the tension that Timothy is feeling. Christian, Anchored Baptist Church, give yourself to Jesus because He has given Himself to you. Let God the Holy Spirit continue to shape your character. And it's going to look like hard work. It's going to look like hard work that you might not see the fruit from immediately. And in fact, you might look and never see the fruit from it. But other people will. Will unbelievers see it? Not necessarily. But your brothers and sisters in Christ will see it. So give yourself to Christ. Give yourself to the church because Jesus has given Himself for you on the cross. It's by Him that your sins are forgiven and it's by Him that you are growing even now in the hearing of this Word. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.